0: My name is Toby Bubboats, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday of Easter for the week of May 10th, 2020. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast and happy Mother's Day. For those here in the States, I know this is a typical day where we celebrate our mothers and we celebrate, I would argue, the mothering side of God. And really, this is about the only time that I can really bring this up this week, because we really don't have a text this week that really shows the mothering side of God. But I think it's an important Sunday. It's an important time to be at least contemplating that, thinking about that, thinking about people in our lives who have showed the mothering side of God to other people, including yourself, and recognizing that. So, to all the mothers or those who have done some type of mothering to help us understand the mothering side of God, thank you, and take this time and recognize that. Before we get into this week's podcast, though, I think we need to jump into last week's Twitter question, which was, have you called or taken time to talk to a brother or sister in crisis last week? And we talked about kind of doing that to help work on and reflect upon what's been going on. As we've been going through all these crazy times the last few weeks, we have to remember what makes us human and what helps us take in those steps for us to be able to communicate with god to take those that time to to work with god and to look at the abilities and times that we've been taking but also remembering it's a time for us to be human even as we are in this weird quarantining in place we have to realize and take the time to recognize that we need interaction and we need to be able to see God in other people. And we've seen that in other ways from some of the responses I got back this last week that people have been trying to talk to other people. We've had different positions that people have been able to get into due to what we're going through right now that has allowed us to communicate and take time to hear stories and even just show love to other people that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. And I think that's a great way of helping us to understand this gospel, understand the way of showing love to other people and a way for God to continue to reach us through other people in this weird time of sheltering in place. So, Let's just jump into the gospel reading this week. The gospel is out of John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. This is a text that has become very familiar with funerals based on the idea of having this dwelling place, having this home where God is and having many different places and a place set aside for you. So Christ is talking to the disciples here in his farewell discourse in John, talking about that there is a place set aside, that the place that he is going, that they will be going also, and that they should know the way in which he is going, that they know the way being able to do this. Thomas asks in kind of questions, we don't know where you're going. How can we follow the way? Jesus responds with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as you have known me, that they also know the Father. Philip then raises the question of kind of the statement of show us the Father and so we can be satisfied with understanding and knowing the Father. Jesus responds to Philip by saying, have you not been with me long enough to understand this, that I am the Father and the Father is in me and the Father speaks through me so that you know the Father through this? And we get this idea of the Father working through Jesus, and we get the famous line coming here from verse 13, I will do anything you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it, verses 13 and 14. So this idea of God working through Jesus, but also getting in this discord of because of us knowing Christ, we have become closer to understanding the Father. The first reading is from Acts chapter 7 verses 55 through 60. And there's a little bit of backstory we have to get into with this story is so this is Stefan that is talking to the Sanhedrin, and he has just given this talk talking about Jesus talking about the way in which things should go, and the Sanhedrin didn't exactly appreciate what was stated and so they take Stefan out into the street and stone him to death is what we get out of this reading. but the last line that we get from Stefan is Lord do not hold this sin against them and this is what he cried out as he died. So this idea that the Holy Spirit had filled Stefan and is working on trying to share this love of Christ, and ends up dying for the sake of Christ in this case, and yet still has the love for his neighbor enough to call out to God to forgive them of their sin, of what they have done through the death of him. The psalm this week is Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5, and 15 and 16. And again, this is... The idea of Christ and this, the Christian family that we're being welcomed into is this place that we can put ourselves, we can put our refuge, we can put our burdens on, that we can come to, that this is a safe space, and that this is a place that we're building off of. You're building off of your faith, and that we especially get in 15 and 16, that as things get difficult, we will be delivered through it with our faith it's from that faith that will help bring us through those difficult times the second reading is from first peter chapter 2 verses 2 through 10 and this is again talking about and i actually really like this first line like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that you will grow in salvation. So this idea again of that we are royalty within Christ, which we get here later in this, and that Christ has built the spiritual place for us and is wanting us to tap into that and continue to work within that. And one of the ways that we really see that is in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. This idea again of Christ is in us and is working through us and it's not that Christ is abandoning us. Christ will continue to be with us and has this place talked about that there will be a better place in which we are going that has been set aside for us. So before we jump into how this ties in with faith and science, we have to do our shameless plug for. Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcast, their commentary through discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me direction and being able to listen to not only seminary professors, but other highly educated people within the Christian field talking about these different readings has been really helpful for me to bring you this podcast on a week-to-week basis. So if you have not checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Where do we start on this? There's so much to dig into, but I think the place that I really want to reflect upon this week is this idea of home. We get this a lot this week. We get this in the second reading from 1 Peter, that we have built ourselves into a spiritual home, a royal priesthood. This idea that we have been issued into this it's kind of this special place within God's family and just by believing, being welcomed into this special place. But that we have put our refuge in him and that he is the rock, the fortress. So where we get this idea of a mighty fortress is our God, the hymn from Martin Luther. We have this idea from Stefan that we're calling out to God and that as he is going to this place that we get promised, that he's still calling out to forgive those who killed him. But here we are in the gospel text, in the final discord of Jesus, discussing place and discussing a home. And what got me thinking about this, to me, is I started generating and working on the idea of home for migratory birds. A lot of times, especially since I'm in the United States, we think about birds' home is when they're up here in the summer, that they go away for the summer, they're going to their winter place, but their home is up here because this is where they breed, this is where they have their young, this is where they raise their family. And that's a point that you could really argue, but I would argue that really their home isn't up in the States, that a lot of these are neotropical birds. And so thus their home is in Central America or South America. So you're talking Costa Rica, Venezuela, Nicaragua, places down that neck of the woods, if you want to put it that way, of where they're actually from. And in that, then we've had a lot of different laws that have come through that have been monumental for us preserving these homes for them so for instance the migratory bird act of 1918 which was initially between the united states and great britain on the behalf of canada which then has been expanded multiple times to include Mexico in 1936, Japan in 1972, and Russia in 1976, and then continuing to expand upon those treaties for Canada and Mexico in 1976 for Mexico and 1995 in Canada, which has then also led to further partnerships within South Central and North America through the Partners in Flight, which is specifically focusing in on neotropical birds and their migration. And so at this point, you're probably wondering, Tyler, why are you bringing this up? And I'm going to attach an article down below from the Wisconsin's Natural Resource Magazine, which is put out by the Wisconsin DNR, and talking about an article called Our Birds. in quotes and the idea being and this is something that I remember learning about a few years ago which I think is really really cool We get this idea of our birds as the birds that we are accustomed to seeing in the summer being our birds. And there's a lot of different resources and money and things into preservation and conservation of these birds specifically up in their breeding grounds. Because we figure if we can put money into conserving their breeding grounds, it helps their numbers long term. But one of the things that has been considered specifically in the last 30, 40, 50 years, is if we aren't doing something about protecting their winter home, we aren't actually accomplishing that much. You're putting birds and helping them grow up, and then they're going to this winter habitat that if it's unsuitable, their numbers really don't grow, and things really aren't The best things aren't growing the population you're maybe maintaining and so the wisconsin dnr and again it's kind of like this partners in flight as there's 150 different organizations that are all working together in this realizing the value of not only where their homes are but the routes in between them is we can put together a network working together to make sure that these spots are there for them, it gives them a higher success rate of being able to continue their numbers being sustainable and at sustainable levels and helping them grow if they're needing to grow, but also just maintaining the species. But also that it's we're building these connections and helping us to understand better what... Their life is actually like. We are actually preserving their home. So, how does this all tie back into what Jesus is talking about? We as people have become more stationary, and that's not necessarily what we have always been. So this idea of home, a four-wall building that we go to and that we spend a good chunk of our time at, especially at this point in time, is kind of a newer concept within the evolution of a human being. So we've lost this idea of this transient home movement. But if we are going to a place where it is prepared for us, for me, the idea of having the safety net for a bird that when I leave, that there has to be faith and trust that my winter place, my winter home is going to be there and is going to be able to provide not only for me, but if I was a successful breeder that year, that my young will also be able to come to this place where i call my winter home and that they will be successful see there's a lot of trust in that just like what we are trying to and what jesus is alluding to in this text that we have to trust that i am the way the truth and the life that In that, we are believing and trusting Jesus that we are following him in this, that he has been down this path multiple times before, and so that we are following him to find the father to go to this place. Just like the young are following their parents to their winter grounds, trusting and believing that this is where we need to be. This is where our safe spot is. This is where our home is there's comfort in that. There's comfort in knowing where we are going. There's comfort in knowing this idea of that there is a safe space for us. I think in a way, this is a weird and difficult text to be dealing with at this point, because again, home brings up a lot of different connotations to a lot of different people. And I think right now there's a lot of people who are probably frustrated with the idea of being home for various reasons, for reasons of that there's different things going on at home that aren't healthy or that they're just sick of being cooped up at home. But we also have to remember that in this case, having a dwelling place, having a place that is prepared having a place that is safe for one is comforting so maybe it's not your home is what the comfort place is maybe it's an office that welcomes you well when you come back to work or go to work maybe it's a safe space at a school when you're going to school and having even your name on the desk prepared for you is the idea. For me, the idea that the Wisconsin DNR being one of many different organizations actually sending money through various different chains down to Costa Rica to help prepare a place for these birds so that they have a place to go is comforting. It's awesome. It's conservation actually doing good conservation work and understanding that we are with them for that whole life cycle and starting to expand our vision and our idea of what a bird's life is like. But I hope in that time when we're expanding that and working on that, that we're also growing and expanding our understanding and hope of people. Because when we are getting into these agreements, these treaties, these partnerships, there has to be give and take just like any thing and we have to then understand sit down and listen to what are the what's the other side saying what are the things that i'm disagreeing with but it's that i'm not understanding their context because there's a different place there's different things going on and i have to humble myself to understand and listen to what they are going through brothers and sisters with a place having many dwellings in our father's house i hope that we are not just sitting in one dwelling i hope that when we are in our prepared place that we sit down get comfortable and as we get comfortable get curious of what else is in this house because i don't know about you i do not stay in one room and i would hope that i would go to other prepared places and understand and start to relate with some of my brothers and sisters who are in different prepared places Because I can guarantee you if a place is prepared for my sister and a place is prepared for me, they're going to be different. But that does not mean that it's a different God than which we're serving. It means that we're seeing different elements in different parts of God. And so that I hope that we are going and spending that time to understand those other dwelling places. Just like we would not be focusing all our effort on conserving just purely one species of bird when we are sending money and working with partners in flight, we are working on multiple different types of birds with multiple different types of needs that all need to be considered to help make safe places for them. This is a really interesting text because it also has these underlying elements of challenging us To expand our vision and understanding of God, not purely to be just set in our one prepared place, but also challenging us to realize that if there are many dwelling places and we have a place prepared for us, what are the other places like in this house? Because if we are invited into a place that there is a dwelling prepared for us, I would hope that we are exploring the rest of the house. It's one of the things that I really, with getting into bird migration this week, it's one of the things that I really enjoy about birds, is because birds fly across borders, they don't understand these differences that we humans have created artificially. By artificial lines, drawn here on a map and sometimes there's physical features that help us draw these lines but they're still artificial and just because we're on different sides of these artificial lines that different freedoms and different abilities and different things are granted to people birds don't see that birds just understand that this is the land that was given to them and many other different creatures And that they have to trust and believe that their places and the things that they need are going to be provided. And I would argue coming out of Genesis 2 that we are in a garden, where we're supposed to help in that process. And that's where to me, when we look at the partners in flight and how we've helped different migratory bird laws and migratory laws are huge and having groups like the Wisconsin DNR through their different chains being able to help with donating Costa Rica but like the other 150 plus organizations that are part of Partners in Flight working together to move the needle so that we can actually preserve not just one type of bird, but multiple different types of bird for all of us to enjoy. Seeing beyond the differences in what we artificially have created as humans, to start understanding and seeing the ability of the vastness and greatness of this creation, and I would argue the vastness and the different abilities of what God has provided in his creation and in us. It's really interesting when you start thinking about it that way that here we're having Philip and Thomas asking these human questions, I would say, these literal questions that you can tell the disciples at this point aren't fully getting what Jesus is talking about. And granted, we're not in that situation, and it's hard for us to understand and know if that would really truly be the case. Would we fall into the same trap? Because Jesus is talking about something totally different than what the disciples' questions are asking. Thomas and Philip are asking these very literal, human-constructed ideas. Show us the Father so that we can come to believe. We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Where Jesus is talking about, on a much grander scale and I think as we dig into this text further you can start to see that there are elements of discussing this at a level that is way beyond even you and me it's talking about the collective we and it's talking about past present and future all in simple words talking about how we are able to communicate with the father how we are you able to understand that through him we have gotten to know the Father? These are huge, monumental t- subjects. If we do even take that to a level of humanness, I really like this idea of because you've known me, you know the Father. I, on the one side of my family, never got to know my mother's dad, but through knowing my mother and my aunts and uncles, I've gotten to get glimpses of my grandfather. And at some point, I hope that I will get to see him face to face and get to know him on a much more personal level that way. But until that time comes, at this point, I get to know him through these other people. And I find that's a very interesting way of Jesus referring to that. That here he is talking to the disciples, and as he then adds at the end, whatever you ask in my name, so the Father will be glorified in the Son. So that whenever we are talking to Jesus, we are getting to know our own maker. And no matter what is going on in my life, I can take comfort in that. So the Twitter question this week What things in your life help you understand the vastness of God? What things in your life help you understand the vastness of God? For me, thinking about it and understanding it, it's birds and understanding how bird migration happens and the vastness of birds and the differences within birds helps me understand the vastness of my God. And another way, I guess, for me is that how we as humans have understood family that we are coming from other people and even as i can't physically connect in this lifetime with people we still have the desire to know our ancestry we still have this desire to connect with the past and even though i can't see them in person their dna is literally encoded in me and there are people that are closer to them that i can still talk to and still carry on the memory of them and get to know them in this life in that way and i think in a lot of ways there's comfort in that there's comfort in knowing that we can still get to know the father our creator through knowing people who knew him And even though it's been 2000 plus years, we have to remember that the modern church is out of these disciples, that it came from these original 12 and continuing to share the gospel, that we are still here today. And that's a miracle in and of itself, that we've been creating dwellings and now we are in our own dwellings And having to figure out how the place that we have prepared that we are welcoming Christ in to our dwelling at this time and at this place so that he knows what our place should look like at some point. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.